You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Peak Church, located in Apex, North Carolina. Our church is striving to welcome all who are feeling disconnected from God. And so our hope is that over the next several minutes, you will connect with the God that we are talking about, and you'll resonate deeply with the life that this God wants for you. We hope you enjoy. Well, good morning again, friends, and welcome for what is the very first Sunday of a brand new series here at our church entitled Good News for Bad Christians. Good News for Bad Christians. You see, friends, uh, today is actually the first Sunday of Lent. And being that it is the first Sunday of Lent, uh, Lent is actually a season here in the life of our church. It's a season in the life of the church whereby we celebrate the really provocative notion that Uh, God's love for us, God's grace for us, God's compassion for us, it's not strongest when we deserve it the most. It's not strongest when we're the best or the goodest or we have the best spiritual report card. No, what sets the Christian gospel apart is uh, Lent and the whole Christian message is a provocative declaration that God's grace is most powerful in our weakness. We see this in scripture, right? Second Corinthians chapter 12. My power is made per- perfect, not when you're strongest, not when you're best, not when you're out there performing your Christian duties at their heightened potential, but when we are at our weakest. This has always been one of the things about Jesus that I both love and, if I'm being brutally honest, uh, struggle to believe uh, sometimes. That uh, God's uh, grace is sort of delved out and lavished upon me when I deserve it the least. And so that's really good news. (laughs) That is really, really good news, Uh, mainly because every single person in this room or every single person who is tuning in today for uh, this very first Sunday of Lent, either A, feels like a bad Christian right now, so you're going through sort of a little bit of a spiritual uh, stinky phase, right? So maybe church uh, has been out of your rhythm for a really long time, either online or in person. Uh, you don't have much of a spiritual life outside of church to speak of. You haven't been as praying as much or worshiping as much or reading as much as you used to or always a telltale sign. Recently, you switched one of your radio presets from his radio to G105. Mm, he knows. He knows. Seriously, though, maybe, or maybe recently you've just sort of, you've crept into some, some bad habits, some, some things that are turning, or that are the, the sort of shadow side of you, the dark side of you, not the side of you that you want to feed, not the side of you you want to be known for, right? So everybody listening to this, either A, we feel like bad Christians right now, bad Christians recently, or you've had this experience before. You know what it's like. You've had seasons in your own life where you've been kind of spiritually lazy or you've not really been that engaged and not that connected to God. Or maybe you uh, sort of experienced a big moral failure in your life, a big moral lapse of judgment in your life. And it took you a while to sort of recover some courage to show up in front of Jesus again. And so one of the things that we want to do throughout the course of this sermon series is, again, celebrate the really provocative and radical notion that the thing that Jesus wants to give us at those moments is not what culture gives you. It's not what other people in this world give you, which typically when we're bad people, bad friends, bad sons, bad daughters, bad employees, whatever, what we get is shame. We get 
uh, judgment, we get guilt, we get all of those things. But today what we're going to do, and throughout the course of Lent, what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate that that is actually not at all what Jesus offers us. Jesus offers us grace. Jesus offers us ways to win us back, not push us farther and farther away. And so, to give you a little bit of a sampling, what we're going to do over the course of the next several weeks is we're going to talk about all kinds of spiritual ruts we sort of dig for ourselves. So here's a sampling. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what do we do when we've been sort of uh, bad Christians, we've been falling into hypocrisy, or maybe it's doubt, or maybe it's laziness, or maybe it's control, like never letting God intervene in your life and make decisions with you or for you, disobedience, or maybe, again, it's after a big moral lapse of judgment. But today, where I want to start is actually somewhere different. Today, what I want to do is I want to start off with a conversation on one of the other ruts that we fall into from time to time, one of the other sort of examples of bad Christian behavior we fall in from time to time, and that is the behavior of judging others. Judging others. I told a couple people this week that uh, this was what we were kicking off the series with, and this was their facial expression. Because if we're honest, everybody's been doing a little bit of judging lately. Everybody's been doing a little bit of judging lately. We typically reserve this conversation for like, we go, oh, this is, um, this is like the super hyper fundamentalist Christian or religious person who's always just walking around sort of saying, well, you're not a good Christian because you curse or because you smoke or because you drink or because you wear too many crop tops or whatever it is, right? But if you actually boil it down, if you actually boil it down, this is what judgment is. Judgment is any time, any time, anybody makes comprehensive assumptions based on very limited information. Like I said, everybody. It's any time, anybody makes comprehensive assumptions based on very, very limited information. It's all of the times we write someone's entire story based off of one single factor we had access to. One Facebook post. One person we knew that they voted for. Whether or not they wear a mask. Whether or not they got vaccinated. My favorite, uh, this is the one that I slip into from time to time, um, is uh, people who don't wipe down gym equipment after they use it. Listen to me. We're going to have a moment. If you've just finished cardio, and you are oozing out all kinds of things, and you go and do bench press, you don't have to leave your crevice sweat there for everyone else to enjoy after you. We don't want it. We don't want to participate. Wipe it down. Every time it happens, I'm over there just like, what kind of sociopath? Anyway, that's me. The point is, when you heard Casey read that passage for today, all of us got called out. All of us got called out. But here's the good news. The good news is that it doesn't matter how petty you and I might have been over the course of the last 24 months or how harsh you might have been with yourself or with other people over the course of the last 24 months. Today, Jesus wants to offer us an alternative, a different way to live, a different way to approach others, that will actually serve as an incredible remedy that we all need right about now. So let's dig in. 
If you have your Bibles uh, and you want to follow along, again, uh, turn back to Matthew chapter 7, or again, if you're tuning in from home uh, and you want to do so, uh, now is a really good time to do so. Uh, where we are today uh, in the Gospels, where we are in uh, the Jesus story, is we are towards the tail end of Jesus' very first sermon, his Sermon on the Mount. And I want to give you a little bit of context today because the passage that Casey read actually came right after Jesus' whole section of his sermon where he talks about fear, where he talks about worrying. How many of you have heard that passage before? It says, don't worry because if you worry, no one by worrying can add a single hour to their life, right? You've heard uh, that scripture passage before. You've seen that line before, right? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? So in Matthew chapter 6, right before Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking about the power that fear can have on your life, worry can have on your life. And then directly from that conversation on worry and fear, he moves into judgment. Now, Jesus is smart, okay? Jesus sometimes makes explicit points, and sometimes he makes implicit points. And if he's just got done talking about fear and worry, and he moves right into judgment, what we can infer is what Jesus is trying to help us see, what Jesus is trying to reveal for us is that the single biggest cause for why we judge other people is fear. The number one reason why we judge other people is because deep, deep down, if you burrow all the way in, we're afraid. Think about it. Think about all the times you judged a coworker for getting more attention than you because you were afraid, you were insecure about what that meant for your standing with your boss or your standing with the company. We judge other people that maybe our spouse or our partner uh, that's of, of opposite sex has a, a relationship with because we feel unattractive or we feel like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of being left or abandoned. Parents, we do this all the time. We judge other parents and their strategies and the way in which they lead their kids all the time because let's be honest, none of us know what the heck we're doing. It's because deep down we're worried that maybe what I'm doing is not working. If you burrow it down, the reason why we judge other people is because deep, deep down we're afraid. We're terrified. We're still those scared little Kids, we were growing up. How many of you have seen this piece? So this, uh, this artistic piece was done by the Ukrainian artist um, Alexander Milov. And uh, it actually was done several, several years ago, uh, but it's been circulating the internet recently to sort of capture artistically what's really going on in Russia and Ukraine right now. On the surface, whenever we see hate, anger and judgment and prejudice, if you sort of see beyond the surface, what you'll find most of the time is a scared little person, or in this particular instance, a scared little boy. I don't know, uh, like many of you, I don't know uh, what the you know, political symptoms are of all that's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now, but I know what the spiritual ones are. Deep, deep down, it's fear that drives some of our most, our worst, our most destructive impulses. And friends, whenever we fall into judging, I think this is exactly what Jesus sees. I think one of the things, one of the reasons why, as Scripture says, Jesus is able to be slow to anger with us, 
is because Jesus understands that oftentimes when we are acting like little punks and judging each other, what Jesus sees is the scared little girl, scared little boy that's doing and acting out in this way. And again, he loves us so much that he doesn't leave us in that way of life. He doesn't leave us in all of those sort of devices, but he offers us an alternative. He offers us a different way. And so this is where now I want to go back to Matthew chapter 7. So Jesus is saying here, he's saying now, whenever you find yourself scared, insecure, and you're tempted to judge other people, i got three things to tell you. The first of which is this, is in verses 1 and 2. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So principle number one, what Jesus is saying here in this moment is actually nothing new. It's actually nothing shocking. It's everything Jesus said over and over and over again. Treat your neighbor the way you want to be treated. Judge other people the way you want to be judged. Matthew chapter 5, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, blessed are the merciful. So in other words, blessed are those who shell out mercy because they're going to be shown mercy. Just to boil it down, Jesus is saying here, principle number one, he's saying your system of judging is going to be used against you. The number one reason why you and I ought to not fall into judgmentalism is because the system you use is going to be used on you. And so I got to thinking. I got to thinking all week about this. Uh, I really sort of uh, went on a, not a negative spiral, actually like a good spiral. And I was sort of thinking through, I was like, I, gosh, what system of judgment do I desperately hope people give to me? Give to me. And this is what I came up with. So uh, whenever I'm acting like a little punk, whenever I'm acting like a, a little turd, what I hope and pray is that people give me these. I hope uh, when I'm acting out, people offer me curiosity. I hope what they do is they go, huh, I wonder what's going on in Kyle's life to lead him to act out that way. Hmm. I also want them to go a step further, and I want them to give them, me the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I'm sure he's got good reason. I'm sure he's tired. I'm sure just all that's going on in the world is just weighing down on him, and he's acting out in this way. Oh, my gosh. Empathy. I hope they also go, and I've been there. I've been there. I've been tired before. I've been grumpy before, and so, you know, I'm not going to judge because I've been there. And then fourthly and finally, I hope when people judge me, they give me a second chance. I hope they look at me and they say, this isn't, you know, all of who Kyle is, Certainly he can do better, and certainly we will, so we'll definitely give him another chance. So this is really important, but this is the first half of the exercise. This is the first half of the exercise. So it was really important for me to like write down on a piece of paper what I hope people give me uh, whenever I'm acting out. But the second half of the exercise is a little bit scarier, but it's absolutely more important than the first, which is to ask the, a really hard question of, that's fine, that's great, that's what I want from other people, but what do I give to them? What system of judgment do I use on other people? When I go to Target and I see someone in the express checkout line and they have 17 items, I got a decision to make. You can go ahead and put it up there, Ken. I can use one of these two systems. One of these two systems. I can demonstrate curiosity or I can jump to my most immediate assumption. Oh, this person can't count, or their pers this person thinks their time is more valuable than mine. 
Secondly, I can empathize or I can villainize. Oh, they must be in a really big hurry. They must have something really important to go to. Or I can be like, mm, this person's a selfish, greedy. And then thirdly and finally, I can offer them an attempt at reconciliation. Or I can determine, based off the very limited information I have, to cancel out this person's character, to cancel out this person's virtue, to cancel out any relationship I have with this person or ever this future that I have with this person. You see at the bottom, there's two very, very different endings. There's two very, very different outcomes based off of which system you use of judging on other people. One is a black hole that leads to nowhere. The other is open-ended. Which system do you use with other people? What system are you using right now with that Facebook friend, with that family member, with that coworker, that neighbor? And if you flipped the script and it was used on you, would you like it? Principle number one, Jesus says, uh, the number one reason why we ought to not judge is because the system you use is gonna be used back on you. Let's keep going. He says more to say. He also says this. So he goes on to say, another reason, another reason why I'm going to caution you when you're feeling insecure, when you're feeling afraid, and you're feeling like you really want to judge the mess out of some people. Remember this. Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you got a straight up log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you uh, get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of your log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So principle number two, the other thing that Jesus is saying here is that whenever you find yourself afraid, you find yourself insecure, and you want to judge other people, he's saying, if you want to be one of my followers, if you want to be one of my disciples, that's great. But know that one of the implications of that is that you, have, you are signing up to be someone who disproportionately works on themselves more than other people. Principle number two, Jesus says, whenever we feel really tempted to judge, you need to remember that followers of Jesus disproportionately work on themselves more than other people. So if you like to fix other people, you like to change other people, that's great. So take a chronicle of the time that you do that, and you need to double it, triple it, or quadruple it, and that's the amount of time you better be spending on yourself. I got to thinking about that also uh, this week. I got to thinking about that uh, this week and why uh, Jesus talks in this way. And I think one of, the thing that's, one of the things that Jesus is doing here is he's just sort of revealing back to us. He's acting like a mirror, and he's revealing back to us just a sort of basic point that, friends, the whole reason why you can see specks or splinters in other people's eyes, let's just use modern-day terms, the whole reason why you can see other people's character defects is because you've seen them before. You've had a history with them yourself. Let's be real. The reason why you can see the splinter, the speck, the imperfection, the, the unvirtuous characteristic or habit or trait in someone else is because that same thing lives somewhere in you. It goes back to the sort of proverbial saying that says, so often, what tends to annoy you the most about other people is something you dislike about yourself. 
or the simple saying, it takes one to know one. Now, this is where I always lose people. This is why I always lose people because people get super defensive and they're like, okay, so like I was tracking with you at first and I was with you and now you, you went too far. You done went too far. No way. Absolutely not. I won't, like, yes, I should not be judging other people, but I don't have anything in common with that group of people that I'm judging. Like, that's not me. That's not who I am. I get it. I hear the first point. I'm not supposed to be judging them and talking smack about them. I get that. But I ain't got, I'm on the like, opposite end with them. Like, I got nothing in common with them. And I'm just not so sure that's the case. I'll give you an example. So I was uh, uh, talking out in the lobby uh, before service started today uh, with someone about um, soccer season started up for us. So both of our kids play soccer. And um, I'm coaching my daughter's team. I'm not coaching my son's team. And one of my biggest pet peeves, so you want to know a people group who I judge re uh, religiously, uh, like as a hobby, is I judge dads who go out and yell at their kids, their coaches, and the referees. I judge them relentlessly. I will sit over there with Marie and I will just make up a ton of stories about who they are and where they came from. Can you just look at him? Look at him. So I judge the mess out of these people. And then something happened. So uh, two weeks ago, uh, we were at Everett's uh, second practice. I'm not coaching his team, but uh, I'm being a supportive parent, okay? Showing up, I'm being encouraging, I'm being vocal, I played some college soccer, so I'm offering some tips, some helpful tips to him, a little bit to the coach, uh, just sort of like spreading it out a little bit. Everett is five years old, five. He runs over to me during the water break. He goes, hey, Dad, real quick, I need you to stop talking to me during practice because, number one, it's embarrassing, and number two, I can't listen to what my coach is saying. Okay. You can go back now. And in that moment, I realized I was the yelling dad. Now, I'm not full-blown Roy Kent, okay, for you Ted Lasso fans. I'm not there yet, but I'm on the spectrum. You see this in politics as well. I am convinced, I am convinced that when you look at people online uh, who are extremists on the right, and extremists on the left, now uh, they would hate what I'm about to say, but they're playing the same game just for different teams. They're playing the same shame game just for different teams. And so part of what's going to be required of you as a Christian is to resist the temptation to sort of grade other people, keep track of their records, their wrongs, their imperfections. But whenever you see that behavior in someone else that prompts you to judge, I just want you to make room for the possibility. Make room for the possibility as to why you're getting triggered is because something they're doing is scratching away at something in you. Principle number two, Jesus says, whenever you're tempted to judge, remember... My followers disproportionately work on themselves more than trying to fix and change everybody else. Which leads to uh, Jesus' third and final point. So let's go back one more time to Matthew chapter 7 and see how Jesus wraps up. 
The last thing Jesus says is this. He says, whenever you feel tempted to, to be you know, stressed out and trying to judge and you know, beat up on everybody else and bag on everybody else, remember, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. What Jesus is doing here is he's pointing out the very difficult realization that you and I don't have as much power to change other people as we think we do. He's revealing to you. He's revealing to me. Principle number three, that actually the people, the amount of people, the number of people, you and I have the ability to change, have the ability to influence, have the ability to lead, is actually a lot smaller than you think. I'll be vulnerable with you for a minute and just share one of the hardest things I've ever had to learn as a pastor because I think it is applicable to every single person in this room, every single person who's listening to this message right now. One of the hardest things I've ever had to learn as a pastor is number one, you can't reach everyone. And number two, not everyone wants to be reached. You can't reach everyone. And not everybody wants to be reached. I got a list of people that I've sat over coffee with, I've exchanged emails with, and it's just been very, very obvious that I don't have the ability to influence or to change or to speak into what it is, their existence and their life and their beliefs and their views. And I've had countless meetings and conversations with people where midway through the conversation, I knew they actually weren't after help. They weren't after advice or wisdom. And the truth is you've got those same people, don't you? you got at least one person running through your mind right now. Again, maybe it's that college Facebook friend, or maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a, uh, a coworker, maybe it's, I don't know who it is in your life, but you've got people in your life, I'm willing to bet, that you have wasted, wasted hours. You've wasted so much anxiety and insecurity. You've wasted so much of your best stuff on people you never had the ability to change. You were not called to, you were not, they were not, you were not responsible for. And so if that's you, I wanna invite you on a different path, okay? I wanna invite you on a different path. And it's gonna take some time, okay? It's gonna take some time. If you're like me, Spiritual progress for me, as much as I would love for it to be a sprint, most of the time it's a crawl, and it looks like this. So when it comes to judgment, when it comes to judgment, here's the growth sort of roadmap I think all of us are on. I think this is the growth roadmap all of us are on, and this is the goal we're trying to get to. So at the bottom, we just judge other people. No shame about it, we're just walking around. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. Progress is stopping that but you still think about it. So you see someone, you get, you get on the airplane and someone uses both armrests and you go, <laughs> Then the next step of progress is you don't judge. You're not thinking about it as much. Like it's not preoccupied, but you want to. You're like, <laughs> 
so that finally, finally, you can reach a place where you're able to non-anxiously release them to God. You're not going to get there today. You're not going to get there tomorrow. But the goal is to get to a place where when you encounter someone who is triggering to you, someone who you are very tempted to, again, write their entire story based off of the tiniest sliver of evidence you've been given, the goal is to get to a place where when you interact with them and you realize, point number three, you realize what Jesus just said, that, oh yeah, some people are mine to change, some people are mine to help, and some people are not. The goal is to reach a place when you interact with those people to go, oh, this isn't, I'm not supposed to help them. I'm not supposed to influence them. Okay, Jesus, boop. That's the goal. Because the quicker we can do that, the quicker we can get to that place, the quicker two things can happen. Number one, you can get back to learning who you are called to help, the people you are called to influence, the people you and I are called to share our pearls of wisdom with. And secondly, the quicker we're able to do that, the quicker we can get out of the way so that God can send someone else to reach that person. Friends, I'll close here. You see, this is actually uh, just the, the, the tragedy of judging, the biggest tragedy of judgment, judgmentalism. The biggest uh, tragedy is that those people who run around and thinking it's their life's job to judge other people, they think they're helping. You think you're helping, don't you, when you're judging? You're like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm helping. I'm, I'm, I'm calling out all of the hypocrisy. I'm calling out all of the behavior. I'm, I'm doing the world a service. You guys should be thanking me. But you're not. I'm sorry to break it to you. You're not. There's this old adage uh, that I think applies to this situation directly. And it's actually said about anger and hatred, but I think it applies to judgmentalism as well. Friends, what's really going on when you and I judge other people is judging others is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Nothing happens to them. Especially when you do it in private, when you do it in your spouse, and you're just like in a back room. Like Nothing's going to happen to them but you're going to reap disastrous consequences on your spiritual, your mental, and your emotional health. I don't need you to raise a hand, but how many of us, when compared to who we were two years ago, we're a little bit more bitter than we were back then. We're a little bit more cynical than we were back then. We're a little bit more angry, prejudicial, towards others than we were back then. If that's true, then that means the judging isn't working. The poison isn't working. And once again, if that is true for you, for many, for me, I want to invite you today to put the poison down. And instead, today, what I'm going to invite you to do on this communion Sunday is to drink of something very, very different. 
Now I'm going to warn you, I'm going to warn you, uh, those of you who are going to receive these elements uh, at home or those who are going to do so in-house, uh, what these elements will not do, what the body and blood of Jesus will not do, is they will not give you that dopamine hit you get whenever you judge other people and you feel electric and way better about yourself for about 30 minutes. They won't do that. But what they will do is they will act as the real remedy, the real medicine we need for our souls, which is grace. Grace for all of your imperfections, grace for all of your mistakes, grace for all of the things that you've done wrong that God could have held against you but did not. And grace that the moment you digest it and receive it, you will be required to share with others. Thank you for listening to the Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.